think of a shape in the XY plane. Hmm? Visualize. Done that? Done that? Now think of a point in the XY plane at some distance from that shape. Done that? Now can that point in the XY plane ever know that shape in the XY plane? If it really wants to know, it will have to gain some Z altitude. And then it can know everything. No? Right? Seen how you are able to know so much about cities when you look at the city from the window of an airplane you can see the entire structure but when you try to look at that structure from the same plane as that which contains the structure then the structure itself becomes an obstacle in seeing what will you look at let's say the structure is right in front of you what will you look at you will look at the wall that is perpendicular to the line of your vision right and once you have seen that wall that wall will not allow you to see anything else so that which you see is exactly the thing that is not allowing you to see not getting it you have a house in front of you hmm? how much of the house will you see if you are in the same plane as the house you will see only that particular facade huh? only that particular wall that is perpendicular to your line of sight so that much you can see but that which you are seeing is itself the thing that is not allowing you to see any further you see the wall and then you can see nothing else right that's the thing that's the reason why we know so little about the world the world itself will not allow you to know about the world to know about the world you will have to rise above the world and then you can know are you getting it? the world will present one face to you and that face is not something that is being revealed to you that face is something that is concealing a lot what are walls meant for? revelation or concealment? but you see the walls don't you? and you feel happy I just saw a wall whereas the fact is the wall does not exist to help you see but you say I saw a wall <laughs> the wall is a device meant to prevent you from seeing do, do you see this? that's how the world operates anything that you look at is visible only because it is not allowing you to look any further 
go into the statement. Anything you look at is visible only if it does not allow you to see any further. If there is a completely transparent piece of glass in front of you allowing you to see beyond itself, will you be able to see that piece of glass? A thing therefore is visible only when it obstructs your vision. In the language of optics, a thing is visible only when it reflects back some rays to you. And what does this reflecting back imply? That it is not allowing the ray to cross over to the other side. Therefore, it is obstructing your vision. So all that you see in this world is obstructions. Therefore, the more you see, the more obstructed you really are. You are not seeing. You are just being obstructed. That's the thing with both optical vision and mental vision. The stuff that is there in your mind is not there in your mind. It is crowding your mind. It is not allowing the mind to go beyond itself. Just as the wall is not allowing you to see what is there inside the house. Similarly, the stuff that you see in your mind is not allowing you to see beyond itself. But you will be able to see everything if you? If you? Ascend. If you rise. Therefore, the truth is the foundation of all knowledge. Therefore, the truth is the foundation of all knowledge. You cannot have knowledge without the truth. Without the truth, all you will see is walls. If you want to know the reality, then rise. This ascension is the movement beyond yourself, movement beyond the ego. This is the movement towards the sky. This is what is called love of the truth. The more you love the truth, the more you know the world. Do you get this? The world does not exist to teach you. The world exists to keep you in darkness. Or, to be more accurate, if you are unversed, uneducated in a spiritual way, then your world exists to keep you in darkness because you are anyway in darkness. This is a far better way of putting it because if we do not put it this way then you get the luxury to assume as if the world is a conscious entity conspiring on its own to keep things concealed which it is not. Is that clear? That will be clear only when you ascend. Otherwise nothing can be clear. If you keep sitting at the same level where you usually do, nothing will be clear. Don't you know, even when you want to peep into a house, what do you do? You climb up the wall. <laughs> if you stay at the same level, all you see is the wall. You want to know more, what do you do? You use the wall to climb up the wall. That's the art. Use the wall to climb up the wall. 
use the water to swim through the water. How do you swim through the water? By using some scientifically made artificial engine tied to your back? Why don't you drown in the water? You hit the water and the reaction keeps you afloat. When you hit the water, what does the water do? The water hits you back and that reaction keeps you afloat. So using the water to cut through the water. You are using the wall to outsmart the wall. The wall was trying to keep things hidden and you said fine, I will use the wall to deny the wall what it intended to do. <laughs> That's how you have to live. But you cannot do that if you have no love for heights. Why will you swim through the water if you have no love for the other side? It's the love for that shore, that other side that makes you hit the water again and again, again and again and stay afloat and move ahead. It is a love for the height that makes you struggle against your own weight and gravity to climb up the wall. Do you see the common thing involved here? Effort. Be it climbing up the wall or be it cutting through the water both require effort and application from your side. Without that effort and application, you get nothing, you see nothing, you know nothing. We are not designed to just know or learn as we are, no. Remaining as we are, we will know nothing, get nothing, reach nowhere. And we will have a lot in our hands a lot of rubbish that we are born with it's that rubbish you have to cut through we are born with inertia or say inertia that you have to struggle and fight against you are born with genetic tendencies it's a genetic stuff that you have to challenge. It's a genetic stuff that's pulling you down. Thousands, probably millions of generations of fathers and mothers are sitting on your head. You have to dislodge each single one of them. Can you imagine how many of them are there? Millions of them. And they are all in you. Here. And in every cell of your body. You have to shove them out.
involves effort. And that's the definition of the hero and that's the only definition of the hero. The one who dares to fight against himself. You have to take every bit of yourself as your adversary. Your thought, your instinct, that which you think of as your realization, even as I speak, you see you are feeling your understanding. This understanding is your enemy. Throw it away. This understanding is your poison. You know nothing. And stay in that innocence. That is the only way of remaining guilt-free. Otherwise you are guilty of misappropriation. What does it mean to fight against yourself? You don't have another version of you or another copy of you to punch in the face. How will you fight yourself? Yeah? You have a dummy to knock out. Do you have one? How will you fight yourself? You are your consciousness. You have to fight your consciousness, your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts. None of them is you. Each of them pretends to be you. You have to disallow them. Your intuition. Anything that rises within, anything that says something to you, anything in the field of your consciousness has to be disowned. No, it's not me. It's those millions of mothers and fathers and mothers and fathers and mothers. They are talking. They are the ones who are talking. I don't want to listen. Please. It's not me. Think of the, of the most wretched old face you can. It's that wretched old face doing the nonsense in your head. Why do you want to fall to it? Hmm? Seen one of those old foggies who have lived a wasted life and then grow totally insane in their 80s and 90s? Seen one of them? There are millions of them sitting in your head and blabbering endlessly. You want to accord them that privilege?
only if you can totally disown the stream you have been unconsciously flowing in. It's a huge stream. You are just a drop. And the drop consists of elements from the entire stream. No? Only if you can disown that stream will you come into your own. You want to come into your own, then disown. It's not you. The way you look at me, the way you are listening, the way you are doing anything, is not you. It's an imposition, it's an encroachment, it's a residue. It's a violation. Why do you allow yourself to be violated? Are you getting it? It's not you who is getting it. If you don't get it, it's not you who does not get it. If you get it, it's not you who gets it. In either case, you are made the fool. It is at this point that you realize that that which you call as your conscious self is actually not conscious at all. It is at this point that the dualistic difference between the sentient and the insentient evaporates. It is at this point that either everything becomes divine, the insentient becomes sentient, or everything reduces to zero, the sentient becomes insentient. These are only two ways in which you step into non-duality. Acharyaji, ascension gives us a total picture of what is going on. How is it different from going close? What do you see when you go close to a wall? Because uh, from you only we have heard that go close to the thing you will you know You can go reality. close to a thing only when you have firstly gone up and over the thing. You see, 
I, I climb up, I rise above. And then I see that beyond the wall there is something valuable. No? I might now need to demolish the wall. Beyond the wall lies something valuable. How do I demolish the wall? For that probably I might need to know the substance of the wall. Then you can go close, investigate, do this, do that. You can take it. But going close without going above would only produce attachment in you. That's the difference between love and attachment. In love, even if you go close, it is from a point of highness. You go close not to get attached, but to understand. There is a basic difference in the intention itself. Otherwise, this closeness is such a tempting and devastating thing, no? You are already close to a thousand things, are you not? You are close to those thousand things without knowing a thing about those things. Why? Because you never went above those things. In front of the thing you remained another thing because the two of you remained in the same plane. And then the thing and the thing amount to nothing. The relationship between them is like the relationship between two chemicals. Chemicals react. What do they know about each other? What do they know about each other? Tell me, please. This ravaging virus, what does it know about you? Hmm? And yet it devastates your system. It gets right into your cells and eats you out from within. What does it know about you? Does it know anything? And yet it does so much. That's the relationship between us and the stuff we get close to. The virus and the host. The virus is so close to the host. But the virus knows nothing about the host. Tell me, what does the virus know about you? And yet it comes into such an intimate relationship with your body, knowing nothing about you. So closeness means anything 
only when it is from a vantage point of some altitude. Otherwise, closeness is very destructive. Destructive to your possibility of ascension or liberation. We have to be very mathematical in all this. So when we say destructive, we must either specify or know in advance what is there to be prevented from destruction. Because destruction per se is not a bad word in spirituality. Only when there is something worth preserving, destruction becomes a bad word. Otherwise destruction is good, is it not? So always be very clear. What are we talking of? Actually, uh, the climbing up uh, you know, makes makes us get rid of suffering, but uh, but it's a long, long process, I, and it's, it appears itself as a suffering, uh, and and like you know, giving up to the you know, default state, you know, appears like like as if it is relaxed, you know, getting relaxation. But and once we once give up, gives up, then then one realizes, oh, I've got into a trap. But initially, it looks like like the climbing up is a suffering, and this is a, why what how to you know get you know understanding at that. You know, then then suffering has to be an acceptable word. You have to train yourself to accept suffering as your default state. The problem is the illusion of pleasure. Somewhere you see the possibility of false freedom from suffering. Freedom from suffering is one thing. Pleasure is false freedom from suffering. You have to discount that possibility. There is going to be no pleasure. Full stop. There is going to be no pleasure. Full stop. There is suffering and there would be suffering. The only thing I have a handle on is the, is the kind of suffering, the type of suffering. Do I want to suffer in a way that continues the suffering endlessly? Or do I want to suffer in a way that dissolves the suffering progressively? That's the only thing I can choose. But there is no third option. Pleasure is a mirage. It does not exist. Discount it. Train yourself to suffer, suffer and suffer. And when you can suffer without admitting the possibility of pleasure, then suffering is not insufferable. It's okay. Suffering appears unacceptable only because of the 
promise of pleasure. Once you convince yourself there is no pleasure, then suffering is no more a problem. Then suffering is the fact of your human condition. Suffering is your very fact. It is the condition you are born into. There is no need to take it as something alien, as something unwanted. It is not a problem. It is our very situation. It is the core of our situation. If you will call the core of your situation as a problem, then you will force yourself to search for illusions. Don't be an illusion hunter. Know the reality of your existence and make peace with it. And the reality of your existence is suffering. Don't frown at suffering. Don't crib. Just suffer with dignity and wisdom and courage and if possible a smile a little one huh? that much we can afford yep. that's why the the, the most we call it detestable sight is the face of a happy person if consciousness is to be valued then happiness is the antithesis of consciousness. The more you can distance yourself from that illusion, the better it would be for you. And then you can choose the right kind of suffering, right? When the choice is between the wrong kind of suffering and the right kind of suffering, it will be easy for you to choose the right kind of suffering. But when there sneaks in a third option, then your choices get distorted. 
If there are only two choices, wrong suffering and right suffering, then you will go for right suffering. But when the choice is wrong suffering, right suffering and happiness, now the choice is distorted. Now you go for happiness and that kills it all. So remove that third option altogether. Either wrong suffering or right suffering. No happiness. Acharya ji, uh, you, you mentioned that you must go against all your thoughts, your emotions. But uh, how to live then? Because whatever work we do from day till night, even if we eat, a thought comes. Even if we go to sleep, a thought comes or we go to sleep and you are, you are saying that uh, those millions of your, those old people, they it is possible to act without believing in thought. Don't ask me how. Don't identify with your thought. And still you will be able to act rightly and also vigorously when needed. It's just that you have mostly seen only one kind of action, the thought-driven one. Therefore, it becomes unthinkable to you how there could be action unaided by thought. Thought will come, it has its place, let it arise, see where it's coming from, give it its proper place and you will do the right thing. You know the problem with thought is it has no capacity to, to know its own source or to disclose to you its source. When a thought comes to you, does it ever uh, carry any kind of uh, ISBN or something? Do you know where it is coming from? Ever? That's the problem. If you can know where it is coming from, then two things happen. One, you become free of it. Second, you become free to use it. Otherwise, the thought uses you. When you do not know where your thoughts are coming from, then your thoughts use you. When you know where your thoughts are coming from, then you become free of your thoughts and then you can use the content of the thought. Thought just comes. It never says, I am arising from such and such place. And because it does not say that I am arising from such and such place, it comes to you not as thought but as truth. It says, I am the truth. Do you not heard people 
so unconsciously say things like, I really think, I really think that the political dispensation in Britain or something now, I really think mostly all this is in total ignorance of the source of thought. And the source of thought is not some grand truth. The source of thought is usually your grandmother. That's where your thought is coming from. You'll never know it's your grandmother talking. You say it is the grand truth. In fact, you look down upon your grandmother, don't you? When you look at her picture, you almost turn abusive. But when she sits within you and talks from there, then she becomes the truth.